0: Welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world, brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Sarah Creddis, and in this series, we'll be in conversation with some of the most inspiring minds in the country, exploring the ways that the UK is using space to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better understanding of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. In today's episode, we're discussing the growing network of space clusters across the country that are enabling a new, more connected and more collaborative era in the development of the space sector in the UK. I'm joined remotely from Oxford by Nafisa Dida, Head of Regional Growth at the Satellite Applications Catapult. From Cornwall, Gail Easto, Programme Director at Aerospace Cornwall. And from Scotland, Daniel Smith, Founder and Creative Director of Astro Agency. Developing a strong space community in all regions across the UK is essential to foster new collaboration and bring new innovations to life. Over the past decade, the UK space sector has grown from a small group of highly successful niche companies to a far-reaching, dynamic and diverse ecosystem made up of entrepreneurs, academia and both large and small commercial organisations. New technologies and applications that are resulting from these collaborations are fundamentally changing how society operates while simultaneously raising the profile of the UK space sector. Continuing these collaborations against the backdrop of the wider leveling up agenda has led to the development of a number of new space clusters, providing local platforms for new organizations to engage with and support the space sector, enabling economic growth and growing space infrastructure that will have a hugely positive impact on the future of our country. So, Navita, I'm just going to start with you. Can you explain why it's so important to have these space clusters across the UK and how significant this is for
1: development? Yeah, absolutely, Sarah. So, space is a really diverse sector and it stretches from things like high-value manufacturing all the way through to end-user products and includes all sorts of space-enabling Solutions and products space, however, the space sector in the u k is really geographically skewed with a real heavy concentration along the southeast of England and also across Scotland's central belt. What we want to do is to create lots of high value jobs high lots of value high um, produ- highly productive jobs across the country, and to do that actually we need to engage with all parts of the u k all localities. And we've been doing that by growing a regional and local program of space clusters and space hubs, really working with local communities to understand what opportunities there are, what uh, which companies in their region could benefit from the space sector, bringing academics and businesses closer together to deliver new ideas, products and solutions and services. And by doing all of this work, we really are starting to create this um, vibrant community across the UK. And that's great, but actually that community needs to be connected. It needs to be working with one another. We need to be making sure localities know who's good at what and how we can join up the space sector across the UK to really show um, the UK's place in the in the space sector across the world. So that's why it's so important for us to, to be part of this joined up space sector. And in, in terms of joining up the space sector a- across the UK,
0: what more do you need to be able to achieve that? And and how long do you think it will take to be able to reach this goal? Because it sounds like one which would be hugely significant for the UK, but something that we're not quite there with just yet.
1: Yeah, we're at a real favourable time for growth at the moment where the National Space Strategy was published towards the back end of last year. And that really focuses on levelling up the space sector and bringing... Connecting up the 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 south and uh, and the Scottish space sectors up with the rest of the UK, I think there'll be um, that you know we look forward to to realising the potential of that national space strategy. But seeing space as part of um, the UK's growth plan plans, UK government's growth plans really means that we can start to align local investment um, alongside the national ambition. So once you have a national ambition, actually, it's much easier to talk about delivering against some of the the um, your some of the opportunities in your region. So uh, local strategies are being um, set up now to to think about how we can bring businesses that may not be in the space sector um, closer to the space sector and starting to form part of the supply chain of the sector. But also, how do we bring um, Uh, infrastructure uh, along with that infrastructure developments and how do we start to understand which other businesses that aren't currently working in the space sector could actually uh, benefit from space data and technologies but also help uh, help um, be part of that that new supply chain that we're trying to develop so we're at a good time the the leveling up Um, white papers should also be published towards the end of this month. So we're at a great time to really start to spread the benefit of the space sector across the UK.
0: And would you say that there might even be hurdles in the sense that space is something that many sectors traditionally had believed didn't relate to them. But of course, as we know, space is is so much more than sending astronauts to space and, and you know, the, the launch part of things and the the potential that the UK has to really offer all parts of the value chain in terms of satellite manufacturing going on, on to um, the small satellite launch. Has there been any hurdles in, in changing that mindset about the types of industry in the UK that can be involved in the space sector?
1: Yeah, huge, um, huge challenges. But, um You know, huge, huge um, opportunities have been realised too. So some of the things that we've been trying to do with UK Space Agency and our local partners, people like Daniel and Gail, is really to talk to the um, non-space sector communities. Um, So, you know, talk to the health industries, agri-tech, offshore renewable sectors about the potential benefits that space can bring. And actually that process is pretty slow. You know, you need to engage with businesses, showcase the data and tech that space can offer, show the improvements, the cost savings, the technological advancements that could be brought into that business and actually then start to do things like prototyping, pilot projects to just show the use of space technology in those, for those businesses, for that sector and after that you start to get this, um, uptake. So, you know, both, um, Gail, Daniel, myself have been working for, I don't want to say over five years at least to start uh, to, to have those conversations and build that momentum. And we're at the point now where I think we're, you know, uh, space doesn't seem unattainable. Um, it's on the news, it's in the public domain. Um, Satellites are part of the normal conversation. They're on devices in your hand. Uh, People are using GPS. So over time, I think the sector has changed. It seems much more tangible than it ever, ever was. And what does it mean to you to be able to um, play a part in in turning
0: space from something which feels like the UK is not part of, even though the UK has had an incredible legacy with space, into something that is uh, something the whole nation can be a part of something that can create jobs and change industries and and, and change lives within the UK
1: for for me it's a super exciting time i, I feel that as growth is happening i can see um, you, you spend more time with people that uh, that want jobs in this sector And you can start to engage them around conversations. What kind of skills do people need? What kind of jobs might be possible in the sector? And it's not all about engineering. You know, we need marketeers. We need people that can articulate and talk about the benefits of the space sector. We need BD people. We need finance people. There's so many jobs um, that that will come as a result of this huge growth in, in the UK space sector. Having those conversations with young people is part of the, the joy of this process now, talking to people and seeing their eyes light up um, when they think that they could be part of, of this growth opportunity, that they could get a high value job. And be by creating these clusters in places that are local to them, it doesn't mean that you have to move to the south to get a job. You don't have to leave the country to get a job in the space sector. We're creating these clusters, these vibrant, vibrant communities across the UK, where people can actually, you know, stay within their region if that's their preferred choice and actually use their skills, their training um, or learn on the job and and see a career path for them, you know, close to home. It's, it's again, it's, you know, something that for me brings um, real joy and, and excitement as well. So I guess the message particularly for
0: young people and people are looking at careers in space is that you you no longer have to leave, you no longer have to maybe 20, 30 years ago when people thought space was... Um, It's still niche to a few countries. Now you no longer have to leave the UK. You can be part of growing this incredible legacy. And just the fact that the UK, you know, the global space industry is predicted to, you know, by numerous sources to be actually worth 400 billion by the year 2030. And the
1: UK is aiming to get a 10% share of that. Yeah, absolutely. We we see clusters developing in places in in the northeast where we know that they're great universities, but actually a huge amount of brain drain um, for people leaving the leaving the area to get higher paid jobs. Quite frankly, in in London, you don't need to do that. Yes, uh, COVID has helped as well retain people in the places that they're living in or training in, but actually. Actually, if you can see that there is a cluster growing uh, up uh, ten miles down the road from you, and you're doing a job, uh, or sorry, you're doing undertaking some training, and you think actually I could do an apprenticeship, I could do a placement in that in that industry to get a feel for it. It's something close by for me. Then um, I, I think we'll develop lots of. Uh, 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 um, A much more diverse skill set in in what can sometimes be seen as a very kind of um, stagnant uh, space sector. But actually, it's changing and we want we want young people to feel inspired and be part of this this new new um, space revolution.
0: And I love that phrase, the new space um, revolution. And and do you think this has a, a, a broader implications in terms of the UK becoming less uh, London centric and, and having less of this brain drain towards certain cities, and that, and that will bring benefits in terms of economic growth for regions and, and the devolved nations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, economic growth is the heart, as at the heart of what we're trying to foster as a as a catapult, and in partnership with the spa, in partnership with the space agency as well. It's creating those opportunities locally for businesses to get hold of talented people, to find um, the the right facilities and infrastructure they need, to find the right skills they need, to find the investment they need locally as well, and to be able to attract investment from um, overseas into the region as well. We want the UK to become a really attractive place for people to set up and start a business or indeed invest in the UK and, and start to grow their business here because we have the right skills, the technology, the space ports, the launch capability, the building of satellites, everything is here. So we need to make the, if we can showcase this connected UK space ecosystem to the rest of the world, then then we'll be in a good place to really attract that investment and see the economy grow.
0: And I'm going to bring in now, we've of course got um, Gail Easto, who is the Programme Director at Aerospace Cornwall, and then also Daniel Smith, who is the Founder and Creative Director of Astro Agency, which is based in, in Scotland. And, and Gail, I'm just going to start with you in, in terms of All the exciting things, all the incredible things that have been happening within Cornwall over the last um, five years or so, really. And most excitingly, what we're going to be seeing uh, this year, specifically the um, Virgin Orbit launch within July. And I was just wondering if you could talk about how Cornwall has developed as as really a a centre of excellence and an excitement for space within the UK.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, from our perspective, our cluster is a little bit different to some of the others across the UK in that we don't have the large aerospace primes uh, and we don't have those academic centres of excellence, which are well recognised as being specific to space. What we have had and and the very sort of nascency uh, and building blocks for our cluster were the assets. Um, So that's partly, um, you mentioned, um, the the launch activity, that's coming off the back of um, our spaceport development, um, which was really taking an existing asset in, in our airport at Nuki and making a few modifications to make that suitable for horizontal launch. Um, and we've got the first operators launching from there in uh, July, first week, and that's Virgin Orbit, as you said. But also there are two or three other operators who are now signed up to launch from there. And in fact, we've just been speaking to a Canadian company who's bringing their um, hypersonic system over to launch. And I think those things now, as Nafisa said, are really helping us attract those inward investment conversations. Um, We've also had, um, I mean, Goonhilly Earth Station, which is well known uh, in terms of the SATCOMS community, that's celebrating its 60th birthday this year and has very much been at the forefront of the UK's sort of space offer Uh, since it began Um, and those guys have really sort of diversified away from SATCOMs they still do that as as their core business but have invested in those very sort of old and and somewhat outdated antenna that haven't been used for some years and brought those back online Um, and we've been using those very recently to to act as part of a private deep space network Um, and Goonhillie have signed contracts now with Intuitive Machines and are part of their IM1 mission um, and from our perspective, what we're seeing now in the development of the cluster is much more horizontal collaboration between local businesses who are able to work with uh, the spaceport and Ginhilly um, So, for example, Exobotics, who is a, a local company, started in Cambridge, span out, still has an office there, but has created a, a, a centre in, in Cornwall, are now also part of that intuitive machines contract. So I think the horizontal collaboration work is now sort of our focus. Uh, and my interest really is about providing opportunities for those businesses to work with other clusters, B2B sort of collaborations, but also export internationally and make sure that there's those value chains going out into the, uh, into the world. Um, I'm also really pleased to be able to sort of update on the contract that we've signed with um, Arizona State University in the US, who work in partnership with Lockheed Martin, they have a a global uh, program under something called the Milo Space Institute. And we've brought the first UK ambassador for the Milo uh, Institute uh, into into Cornwall, but they're actually a UK ambassador. So everyone can tap into that expertise. But that gives us access to a global academic network and also a global industrial network. Uh, And I think that is something that's going to be really interesting as, as the months develop. So that individual's role is to kind of work around all the academic institutions and centres of excellence to identify opportunities for space science that might not otherwise be funded. Um, And NASA is certainly pulling through, I think there's three lunar missions that they're looking for contributors to. So I think all of us across the UK can get involved in some of those international efforts. Um, And I think... Going back to the um, the Deep Space Network, there's going to be some interesting uh, announcements actually at Colorado Springs for those that go into the space symposium. So watch this space if you're going <laughs> pun intended. Um, so exciting times, but it's shifted a lot from an asset based proposition to one which is much more about collab- yes <laughs> to collaborative business opportunities and and getting that investment into into the UK.
0: And, and do you think that's part of why now is the time is right? Because traditionally, space was a preserve of government. You essentially had to be a trillionaire. You had to be a, a, a country, whereas now it's private industry, which is actually able to disrupt, not only disrupt space, but drive space forward. It's nothing different to what we've done on Earth. Governments go first, private industry follows. Do you think now is just the right time to have the, the space clusters within the UK because of the, the position that we are in, um, in, in terms of space exploration and space technology?
2: Yeah. And I think Nafisa put it very well, you know, this is the perfect time. I think we need to be able to speak with one voice about what we have to offer and which problems we can solve. But that also will help cluster to cluster activity. There are lots of opportunities where some parts of the UK have got gaps that others can meet, but also opportunities for us to sort of bid in for contracts collectively. Um, and I think the timing at a macroeconomic level is right. The UK, uh, as Nafisa mentioned, the national space strategy, I think has really helped to sort of sit under one umbrella. And I actually think it's a much more helpful strategy um, than potentially the 2030 10% target, because that was something that was quite difficult for people to kind of uh, engage with. Whereas actually, I think the 10 point plan, almost everyone that we deal with can see which parts of that they're contributing to. And I think that's been really, really helpful. But also I think... We've got the likes of Seraphim and the investors from the the private sector, as well as the the people that are well documented in the media as individuals. But actually, I am starting to see now non-space investment coming into space. And I think that's really important. Sometimes we assume it's all about people that are familiar with what space can offer. And actually, it's about transport. It's about you know, um, opportunities in healthcare and that investment now is flowing around. So we very much see space as sort of an enabler for other industrial areas that we're interested in and the UK has prioritised rather than space for space sake.
0: But just in in terms of um, the changes to the community, what kind of, you know, and there's a huge amount of exciting stuff happening within Cornwall this year. What impact has um the space sector and the investment within Cornwall had on the wider community—you know, everything from inspiring young people and the work with local schools to, to as you mentioned, developing other industries within Cornwall.
2: I think the the um, UK Space Agency investment in the launch actually was probably the catalyst for the biggest change that we've seen in the last few years. As you said, that's now given youngsters an opportunity to engage in, and seek aspiration. And you mentioned earlier the fact that we don't want to lose people from the UK. Cornwall in particular has suffered for some time with people feeling that there aren't um, the, the high tech roles that they'd like to operate in. And therefore, we lose them from the region. And whilst they may come back in their sort of 40s and 50s with, with their families, we, we've lost that sort of middle tier of employment. So I think that's that's been a huge um, shift. I think the other thing that's happened, I mentioned earlier, we're we're attracting a lot of people to Cornwall. So probably about two thirds of our cluster has arrived and established itself in Cornwall since we've had the investment of not only uh, government money, but also we've tapped into some regional development funding from the EU. Uh, and that's the programme that, that I'm involved in. But that's really enabled us to attract people that otherwise might have gone to other countries uh, or potentially to other parts of the UK. Now, what we want to do is make sure that they're not then perceived to be exclusive to this part of the world. We may have attracted there to, to expand, but we now want to get that capability back out into the into the world. Um, I think the dynamic has shifted greatly as well. So. If I look at our cluster, only a very small fraction would identify themselves as space businesses. Many of them are data businesses. They're EO. They're working in um, ag- the agritech sector, but they're they're dependent on space technology. So we've actually got quite a, you know, a more um, wider cluster that I would include, and I do include in our comms around space that that actually serves the space sector and the automotive sector and the marine sector. It just happens to be one of five or six sectors that they supply to. And I think that's a really, really key point, that actually the space sector is always going to be bigger in terms of the supply chain and the value chain than what we see in something like the size and health report, because it's not getting to those people. Uh, and I think part of the mapping work that um, Nafisa was referring to earlier, where the clusters are being able to articulate that the constituent members of their clusters and therefore we might be able to generate some sort of B2B activity, that's been hugely beneficial. There's all sorts of people that I have come across in the last few years who are saying, oh, actually, we develop sensors and actually with a tweak that can go on to a satellite and we've got this service that actually... We never really thought about before, but could have, offer real value in terms of ocean health monitoring. So I think we're seeing a lot of people engaging with it, but wouldn't necessarily identify as, as the space sector. And I think that's brilliant because from our perspective, we just want lots of really cool jobs uh, and lots of IP coming from that uh, so that we can maintain that um, that upward trend.
0: I, I think that's a really great point that you're making in terms of um, companies that might not be part of the space centre or identify as being part of the space centre, actually being involved with this. And I was wondering, Nafis, if you could just pick up on that in in terms of, are we seeing more of a blurring of the lines in terms of what it actually means to work in the space industry? I mean, if you're a data company or or an app development company because you're using space-based technology, are are you an amalgamation of of several different sectors? And is this what we're going to see um, moving forward in terms of a shift in perception of, of what it means to work in the space industry?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the diversity that's important in the space, um, in the space sector. So that's bringing in data companies, AI companies. There are plenty of clever people already um, building different um, platforms for space, uh, but. Around different technologies, so you know, quantum tech is going to have a, a huge um, impact on on uh, space growth as well. So it's these adjacent sectors that are really important: the technology, the research that's going on into into future technology. Actually, engaging with the research base, as Gail mentioned earlier, understanding what what the opportunities um, or what the blue sky thinking is, what the creative um, ideas are in in um, in coming out of um, yeah our strong academic base in the uk is really important and having getting the space sector engaged with those non space academics actually is it really opens up new conversations and we have done that around um around quantum tech uh, a good couple of years ago and it's a difficult conversation to have um the space sector or is very much about here and now and and asking companies to think about future technologies or how they might use something like quantum tech in 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 um in the space sector it's a it's a challenging but really good stimulus to um to make those links early with the the research that's coming out from universities and exploiting that research bringing great ideas into the space sector is something we could do more of and it's something that i'm super passionate about as well so looking at the new um, new ideas and and making sure that uh, the space sector is engaging early and engaging well and looking at potential applications of those ideas to help grow and diversify our space sector see so yeah, our digital ai quantum uh, pretty much um, any new um, any new technology, I think, has an application in the sector at some point. So, um, yeah, we're not we're we're trying not to limit um, the boundaries of the space sector, um, and and I think by having the conversations, as Gail said, to uh, twinning up different parts of the UK, understanding where capability is, and then. Um, bringing that closer to to some of the challenges that we face in the space sector and and again being very honest about things that aren't working well and that could be improved with different technologies from different areas i think will help um help these businesses grow and again help help our um our space sector grow in the UK.
0: So really, we need to almost change our perception of what it means to work in the space um, sector. And, and space is no longer a place to go. It's more an extension of life on Earth and something which can involve so many other industries to improve life on Earth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Whether that's monitoring humanitarian crises to looking at uh, sustainability of our food supply um, Delivering remote healthcare services, whether that's monitoring po- ports around the UK, the fishing sector, there are so many applications and um, for for space that that are about helping people on the ground, and and improving lives and changing lives. Um, that uh, I think our space sector, could, we could shout more about those application areas um, than we currently do, and and help people engage with. With the space sector, um, regardless of what, what technology or, or what uh, what sector they're they're working in.
0: Wonderful. And I'm I'm just gonna bring in um Daniel Smith now, who is of course the founder and creative director of Astro Agency, which is in Scotland. And I also have to give out a shout out to Astro Agency for the great work they did during the pandemic running the the space bar, which actually connected up space communities um across the UK. Um and and, and Daniel, can you just describe the you know the situation in Scotland, what development we've seen in recent years and, and why this is so exciting for you and, and why people should care about the development of the space sector within Scotland as well as the broader UK as a whole.
3: Sure, sure. Thanks, Sarah, definitely. So, again, like like Gail mentioned with Cornwall, Scotland's a little bit of a different kind of cluster or, or hub as well, you know, because it's a country, you've you've got a situation where it's really a cluster of clusters, you know, lots of different, or a meta-cluster, lots of different uh, regional Things happening and, and really exciting stuff across that full value chain, and that's a real positive. But it can also, you know, be be a challenge too to bring that together in the same way that we're, you know, a lot of this conversation today is how can we bring together the different regions and the different um, clusters and, and hubs across the UK. We have that on a kind of smaller level in Scotland. You know, how do we make sure that um, we're really representing and capturing all the exciting things going on uh, throughout the, that value chain, which is what we have in Scotland. You know, the payload manufacturer, um, with, with you know, more, more small satellites built in Glasgow, for example, than anywhere else in the world outside of the US. And then we've got you know, the launch capability with five developing spaceports in Scotland at the moment, two, two launch vehicles, developing two, and that really complements the, the other UK activity at Cornwall that Gail's talked about and, and in Wales. And then the data side, you know, that's where the commercialization happens. And that's what we've got to get out there. Is just how important, what's this all about? Well, it's to get that data back down to earth and it has so many benefits, whether it be environmental or, or for society, you know, to society in general. And, and, and Edinburgh's positioning itself as the space data capital of Europe. We've got a lot of really exciting things happening there. And then there's the, the academia and the and the research side too. And then we've got an ESA BIC as well up in, in Edinburgh, so the ESA Incubation Center to help young companies to grow. So yeah, there's, there's a lot going on, but it's like, how do you how do we make sure that we pull that all together? Because that's the best way to support the overall UK proposition.
0: And and just before I'm gonna pick up on that point in the second in terms of how we pull it all together, but in 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 terms of data and space-based data, would you really say that's king in terms of some of the, many of the benefits that we can actually get from space technology to improve life on Earth, as well as the financial benefits as well.
3: Exactly, sir. Definitely. Um, and for me, you know, I used to work in, in, on the launch side, and I've since working with Astro Agency and been involved with Space Scotland. I've got to see a lot more of that full value chain and the other things that are happening across it. And for me, the data side is just so exciting. You know, there's there's companies in Edinburgh that are that are using you know space data for for fighting climate change and helping um, environmental groups with that battle. We've got companies that are measuring forestry, massive, you know, companies like GSI measuring large areas of forestry in all parts of the world, Canada, etc. And then you've got, you know, we've got one in Edinburgh Astrosat who were during the lockdown, during the pandemic, they were working with uh, charities and helping to identify communities that were isolated during lockdown so that the charities could go out and make sure people were okay, mental health, physical health, and this idea that you can use space data to help with you know, mental well being You'd never have imagined that, you know? So it's really exciting for me that it's that data side. And obviously the launch is exciting too. Everyone wants to watch uh, the rockets take off and how exciting it's going to be to have vertical and horizontal launch in the UK. But um, it's really important to remember what it's all about and, and how that data can support society.
0: So can you just extrapolate on the, because I'd never heard of this, this is new to me, and I'm sure many of you listening, this will be new. In terms of using space-based data to improve mental health during COVID, how did that project work?
3: Yes, yeah, so it was a company called Ast- Astrosat, and they worked. It was called Isolation Plus. So the, what they were doing is they were using location data to um, identify communities that, that were in isolation in the northern parts of Scotland, and then they were collaborating with charities who would go out during lockdown, basically knocking on doors to make sure that people were okay if they needed anything, etc. Um, and yeah, just a great example of how, when it comes to using um, you know space source data, we're really only limited by our, our imagination, you know.
0: I, I love that in terms of how we're only limited by our imagination. Um, just in, in in terms of what you touched on earlier as well, in, in terms of potential hurdles and what more is needed, um, particularly within Scotland, to to continue growing and and continue success and continue, you know, trying to capture this huge part of the, the space market. Um what more would you like to see and what more could um the UK Space Agency, for example, actually? Bring to enable success within Scotland.
3: Yeah, I think a couple of years ago, I probably would have said um, something like, "What's what's happened and what we're talking about now? You know, about trying to um, kind of incentivise and and support the clusters around the UK to, to build their own strategies and then share all that knowledge together." I think that's so important. As I say, we've got so much going on in Scotland across the, that full value chain. And for us, what we've done is we've, we've, we've used a lot of that support to formalise a group called Space Scotland that used to be the Scottish Space Leadership Council um, and put some resource into that. You know, there's over 50 space companies that are in that group. And it just enables us to better understand what's going on, whether that's around STEM activity or, or whether it's about launch or even feeding back on consultations that, you know, UK-wide or even wider, and um, being able to do that as one single voice across all the across all the different companies and organizations it's a lot it's a lot easier makes things more simple so i think you know we're going down the right path now and a lot of a lot of what we've been doing recently is thanks to that uksa and the catapult work creating this cluster approach to things so that we can all share knowledge
0: and and what more do you think is needed
3: i think we can't have enough of that so i think we need more communication i think we need more you know promotion i would say everybody i think so far has spoken about other sectors and i think it's very important to let other sectors know of the benefits the upstream benefits so be part of the supply chain of your Currently, you know, working with the oil industry or renewables, that you could be part of the space sector too. Every company is a space company. So Nafisa spoke about, you know, the need for mark- marketeers or the need for space lawyers and all these other opportunities. So I think promotion is so key because we're all doing such great work in our different areas. But in order to go to that next level, we need people to be aware in order for it to grow. And then there's the downstream benefits again. So just letting companies know and, and other people know that you know insight from space data can really help your business and can and overall boost the economy so it's that kind of upstream benefits that space bring to be part of the supply chain but also downstream so i think that's what we need more promotion and uh, not talking to our, to ourselves as much the space sector is really good at talking to itself but we need to get these exciting stories out there
0: I I love that you mention space lawyers, because I I think this is one of the things which I think needs to come in terms of a a mindset change about what it means to actually work in the space industry. And I know Nafisa and Gail both touched on this earlier, but in in terms of, you know, we're not just going to space, we're extending humanity's presence beyond Earth, to you know, to benefit Earth using space, but, um, you know, to use a rather out there term, it's all about becoming a multi-planetary species eventually and expanding where we are and and doing all the things we do on Earth in space. And I I think space lawyers are a really great example because the the regulation and and the legal side of things is something which is going to be quite dynamic as we move forward within the space sector over the next few years. And it's just another example of how, you know, space space isn't just about engineers and scientists. It is about all these different sectors across Earth and we'll need all these different sectors to succeed in expanding space, uh, expanding, you know, humanity's um, work within space and also using it to benefit Earth.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it needs to be done in a sustainable way as well. I think there's great opportunities um, as we start to see launch and as we're developing that kind of burgeoning sector. It's a missing piece of the puzzle in the UK in that value chain. But I think we have to make sure that all of the activity is done in a sustainable way and because it's the right thing to do also, because it will help us in the UK to have a real distinguishing factor, a, a real you know a unique selling point that we can promote to show, hey, come to the UK and launch. You know, we're doing things in a way we're using fuels that are more sustainable or spaceports that are that are you know carbon neutral or carbon negative, and we're bringing all that good data back down to help the environment.
0: Now, when you were um your accent gives you away, Daniel. When you were growing up in Scotland, um, did you? Ever believe you'd be working within the space sector in Scotland, or is this something which has has changed within recent years?
3: Yeah, definitely not. Sir, definitely not. And even now, when I speak to people, um, you know, you, you get people looking at you a bit funny if you're in a bar or getting your haircut or something. They kind of move the scissors away, thinking, "Okay, we've got a strange, we've got a strange one here." Um, but I did have a situation recently in a taxi where. I was chatting to the taxi driver, and 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 he said, uh, I mentioned that I was working in the space sector, and he said, Oh, do you know they build more small satellites in Glasgow than anywhere else in the world outside of the U.S. And I thought, Yes, the messaging is getting out there. So that's a good barometer that we're definitely on on the you know on the right track. But yeah, it's great, and I think we've got to get that point out to as many people as possible, Sarah. You know, it doesn't matter where you where you live, you know, what part of the UK you're from, which region, how, how you know how many people move away from that region traditionally. With all the clusters and development that's happening in rural areas and in other areas, you can be part of the space sector. So it's a really exciting time.
0: So a, a young person growing up in Scotland now can work in the space sector, in any kind of industry within the space sector in Scotland. They don't need to leave. They can stay or be where they want to be. The space is no longer something you have to move to be a part of.
3: Yeah, that's exactly. They can be part of the you know supporting the sector or if they have a business that's Outside of the sector, they can be using data for for insight to support that business.
0: And, and how does that make you feel, knowing that and knowing that you're you're part of that change?
3: Yeah, it's exciting, definitely. I like it. I like. I'm waiting. Um, I'm expecting a, my first child, and the thought that you know she could be part of that in the future is really is really exciting. And, and you know, with Space Scotland, we have a group called New Voices in Space, where we focus on trying to inspire uh, young people and people from dif- different backgrounds and different genders as well and just to let everyone know that we need as much help as we can possibly get so everybody's invited to get involved in the space sector.
0: Wonderful and I just want to say a big thank you to all three of our guests um, for this week's episode. Nafisa Dida, Head of Regional Growth at the Satellite Applications Catapult, Gail Easto, Programme Director of Aerospace Cornwall and Daniel Smith, Founder and Creative Director of Astro Agency. To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast app. And to find out more about how space is empowering industries between episodes, visit the Catapult website or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook.